0: Church of Christ. We're delighted to see this good crowd today. Thank you for being here today and visitors we are pleased to have you with us today. We want you to feel welcome here to our church and as the uh, registers pass down the uh, the pew please give us some information on that if you are a visitor and please make sure everyone else signs that. Thank you for doing that for us each Sunday. It's very critical for us. You're watching us live streaming this morning. We welcome you to be part of our worship service. At this time, let us pray, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the beautiful day you blessed us with. We thank you for the health you provided for us today that we can assemble here. We're so thankful for this congregation of your people. Father, we're this proud to have each person here today in this assembly. We're, we're thanking father for the increase in the attendance we're seeing and we're excited to look at the future. We pray your blessings upon us as we move forward. We're so thankful for our people here that we have that work so diligently in the many areas we're working to help us to take care of our people and the people that's in our community. Father, we pray that this morning you'll be with us as we worship. We pray for Brother Ken, especially as he brings a lesson to us. We pray that we can, from being here today, that we can gather something from the service that we're involved in to help us to grow spiritually. We thank you, Father, for the unity and the closeness we see within our members and our people here, and we're so thankful for that. We pray that your blessings will still be on us as we continue. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: morning. First song this morning is going to be Surround Us, Lord. Surround Us, Lord. As the mountains surround Jerusalem,
2: For everything, we're so thankful for for the word, your word, that guides us and corrects us every step we take. Father, we're so thankful for the joy you give us. Father, we're so thankful for the troubled times you give us, for you give us a way out of it. Father, we're so thankful for each individual in this room today. We're so thankful that collectively, we can do what some think is wrong and some think is impossible. For Father, you have given each and every one of us that life of eternity. Father, we're so grateful. Father, you sent your son to this earth. And at that time, he was shunned, he was misunderstood, he was hated, and there were so many that were selfish. And Father, we know this continues today. But Father, we're so to teach and say otherwise. And let our words, let our lifestyles, let our thoughts, let our habits, let everything we do teach otherwise to those that think wrongly. Father, again, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for Jesus. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: If you're using a hymnal, you can mark number 469, Faith is a Victory. That'll be our song of invitation after Brother Ken's lesson. Uh, next, we'll sing The Joy of the Lord. We'll sing the verses, then the chorus, and then we'll sing, sing, and be happy.
3: The Joy of the Lord.
1: Scripture reading this morning will come will come from James 1 verses 2 through 8. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 8. I'll be reading from the New American Standard version. Consider it all a joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that the endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask Ask of God, who gives all generously and without reproach, and it it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the the one who doubts is like the surfer in the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being being a double minded man, unstable in all its ways.
4: Good morning, everyone. It is so great to see you today. Well, several of us went to the Cox Boulevard singing. I think there were 24 in all. There were 30, according to Jimmy, so we know that's right. There were 30 of us went. And I want to tell you what, Anita and I talked about it, and we have been to a lot of singings, a lot. But I'm going to say, if it wasn't the best singing I've ever been to, it's certainly one of the best. Not to mention that it went on for five hours. Think about that for a minute. Wrap your mind around singing straight. There were no breaks. If you wanted, if you wanted snacks, you just had to get up and go get them. There was no snack portion. It was just song after song after song. I'm going to guess over 200 songs a song. And Jeremy... Some of those songs you sang this morning weren't even in that group. So, I mean, there was a lot of singing going on. And just really enjoyed that so much. In fact, I probably sound a little froggy today. I wasn't sure I was even going to be able to sing today from all of that. But through this week, there have been, haven't there been some horrors to take place? I see on television the pictures of Maui and the destruction in Lahaina, which is really an old, whaling village. All the loss of life that happened in just minutes as a fire ravaged through those homes. It's just devastating. And still, today, they're finding remains of folks. I just, I can't comprehend the scope of it or... Just the suddenness of what happened. Nevertheless, there are a lot of people hurting as a result of that. And then Jody Smith's mother had a heart attack this weekend. And thankfully, she was able to get to the hospital in time. And they were able to do a stent procedure. And so she is recovering from that. That's also a sudden event that just affects so many people and it is frightening and stressful. Uh, today, I got a call from Joanne and uh, she wanted us to pray for Ben, Ben Roberts. He's in his 90s now. And if you ever drive by their house during the week, you'll see him still out either mowing the grass or taking care of the shrubbery, but he has injured his back. And so she wants prayers for him. Again, just a sudden thing that for them has had major impact. And then there are major impacts that have positive things associated with them. For instance, I walk in this morning and Larry says, Hey, would you please announce that the Stephen Cooper family is going to place membership? Yay! Raise your hand, Stephen and wife and kids. And here's your... You're a moment in the sun. We're so glad to have you to be a part of this congregation and look forward to working with you. They're just a delightful family. Boy, life is funny, isn't it? Some things just get us down in the ditch. and Other things exalt us and bring joy. How do we navigate all of that? Well, I'm going to share some things with you today that I think... I think, are positive from the Word of God. Uh, Positivity in the face of so many negative things that happen to us. Uh, We're going to look at this text from James chapter 1, and we are going to find the joy. (laughs) We're going to find the joy in the faith that is proven in our lives. We're going to find the joy in the, the patience that is produced and Lord, help us. We are going to find the joy in the prayers that we offer in their answering. But before we start all of that, this to me is a heavy thing to enter into a period of worship. And for me specifically to have the responsibility of guiding us through our time of worship in God's word. So we're going to pray for us today. I guess selfishly, I'm praying for me. Help me as the presenter to guide you in the right way and represent God in the way he wants to be represented. But secondly, it's for you that, especially this message, that it will find its right place in you. And it'll be be comforting to you if it's something you need to hear and it's of positive impact in your life. Or motivational, if there are some things you need to change in order to experience the joy that God wants for your life. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we are here together as one in your presence, giving you thanks for this day in particular, the first day of the week, the day that we have assembled to remember the death of your son And in the midst of all of that, surrounding it, to participate in these acts of worship, to lift you up, we have come not to fill our buckets, but to empty them as you have filled them through the week and to glorify you, to express in all of these different ways and spiritual vehicles just how much we love you and adore you and honor you. We pray, Father, for those that we've just mentioned, the folks in Maui that have had an unspeakable tragedy and are trying to make sense of what their lives are going to be like moving forward, loss of property, loss of life. We pray, Father, for Jody's mother, and we pray that she is going to heal as a result of having the stent placed that there'll be no complications that she can come home and do well we pray for Ben Roberts who is down in his back today and we just pray Lord that you will bless him that he will feel better we're thankful that Madonna is able to be here today as she is recovering from back surgery herself And we pray, Father, that you will give her relief from pain and that she will heal and that the results of the surgery will be exactly what she and her doctors were hoping for. Lord, today we're going to talk about the joy that you've promised. Even in the face of adversity and trial, especially in that time. Lord, help help us to know that joy in you. And help us, Lord, through trials that we experience in our lives to demonstrate to you the strength of our faith. Oh, Lord, help us to be more faithful. Lord, help me to communicate the things that I prepared and not to get in the way of the message that you want us to hear today. And I also pray for those who are hearing it That since you're presenting it, that they will listen to you. And Lord, give us courage to live in such a way as to be joyful or to understand that we need to make changes and to have the courage to make those changes, to know that you'll even help us do that. Thank you for the impact that you'll make in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you may have had in mind that if you became a Christian, all your troubles would go away. I don't know who sold that to you, but I'll guarantee you it wasn't me. Christianity is not going to solve all your problems. Dedication to Jesus Christ is not going to remove every pain and hurt that you are experiencing in your life. On the other side of that, however, I do believe that this relationship with Jesus makes all of those difficulties bearable and just one step in a process that with renewed strength and determination and steadfastness and the maintenance of our faith will result in heaven someday. Your life has trials in it. And this text begins by saying, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. (laughs) You, You are going to fall into various trials. There's no doubt about that. But he said, count it all joy. That seems at first glance to be incomprehensible. To have joy... In time of trial, can my trials, I know, they can be as inconsequential as a headache. Or they can be as obsessive as a heartache. Trials manifest themselves in physical sickness, yours or someone you love. Could be a death that has occurred with someone who is close to you, might be some injustice that you have experienced. It might be unforeseen financial struggles. Those circumstances that hurt so much, I didn't see it coming, or I saw it coming, I didn't prepare for it. Now it's here. And I'm in the midst of something that is really, trying or testing my faith. When we experience those uh, moments of trial and testing and difficulty, what should our attitude about it be? Do we hide out somewhere, find a cave, or just get in the house, shut the door, remove ourselves from the source of our trouble? We will just avoid it. Will that work? Here's what James says to do. My brethren, count it all joy. I'm going to tell you that there actually is, for the child of God, joy in the faith that ultimately through this is proven. Joy in the faith that is proven. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Count it all joy. God is going to test you. There's no question about that. But here is a question, and I think it's mostly derived from the way that this text unfolds And I'm talking about the entire chapter because within this chapter in newer translations, you have a discussion that begins about dealing with trials in life. And then it kind of morphs into this discussion about sin and temptation. And some people have gotten the idea. And I think it's probably because older translations just simply rested on one term translated throughout the word temptation. So if you're actually reading from a King James translation this morning, most likely you were talking in this text, not about trials I'm reading and it, it's talking about temptations. And so often when we think about temptation, we think of temptation to sin. Actually, the idea of temptation is just that there is a circumstance that is affecting some kind of potential change in me. Now, what the problem is within this text is that we have two different connotations associated with that idea, things that affect me. There are things that affect me that are on the outside, and we would call them trials or testing. And then there are things that affect me on the inside. Now, we would, as modern thinkers, call that temptation to sin. Or it actually begins with a desire to sin. I think that's why the newer translations, instead of just using temptation throughout and creating a good deal of confusion about what temptation is and who does the tempting, actually used the connotations and chose a different word, trial, to separate them. Ken, what do you mean by all that? Well, let's do it this way. Understand that the trial that you're facing was not planted by God in order to create a circumstance wherein you would sin in that difficulty or in that that circumstance for change in your life. I know this because what he says in verse 13 of this text, he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. There are things that will affect your life that will lead to your spiritual death. It is the result of desire for a sinful thing that has developed in your life and you acted, now there's the action part, you acted on the desire and committed the sin. He says, you know what, sometimes you commit sin and nobody knows about it, but if you persist in that, eventually it's going to grow and become exposed and it's in result, it has captured you and leads you to sin and then death. Okay, Temptation. That's not what we're talking about here today. God tests us, but he doesn't tempt us to sin. What do you mean, Ken? Well, there are things that happened to me as a result of my desire for sin. God didn't do that to me. I did that to me. You say, well, the devil is afflicting me. Uh, let's back up from that for a minute. You have placed yourself in a situation in which Satan has taken advantage of And now you are facing the consequences of the choice you made. Yeah, Satan glories in the fact that he can trip up one of God's quote unquote holy saints. But the truth of that matter is, you decided. You decided on the basis of an inward desire to act on a circumstance that arose. You acted on that, you committed the sin. Temptation to sin. God doesn't do that. But God will test you. Perhaps the most famous example of testing was when God tested Abraham. In Genesis chapter 22 at verse 1, we know that God tested Abraham because that text tells us, well, God tested Abraham. God tested Abraham by commanding him to offer his son as a sacrifice. And the text reveals that Abraham was faithful in that. In verse 12, God says, now I know that you fear the Lord because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. God tested the faith of Abraham by commanding him to offer his son. And Abraham's conclusion was, I'm going to be faithful to God no matter what, and I'm going to act. The book of Hebrews tells us that he had in his mind, you know what, if I kill my son, maybe God will just raise him from the dead. An idea that that was foreign. I mean, where did he even come up with such a notion? Nobody's been resurrected before, not in in this. And so here is Abraham, hope against hope. No matter what, I'm going to be faithful to God. I've run through my own mind that situation, haven't you? You know, when you studied through Genesis and you got to that, the first thing we do is we feel appalled. How could God command someone to offer their son as a sacrifice? And I've been right where you are. I sat there in a class or maybe I was even teaching it. And I know that I have said in the past, boy, I'm just not sure that I could do that. Not sure I could offer my... But wait a minute. God was testing Abraham's faith. And Abraham said, I am going to trust God no matter what. If God said it, I'm going to do it. Now, God stayed his hand. He did not have to literally, actually take his son's life. But his intention was, I'm going to do it. And had not there been an angel there to stop the process, he would have slain his own son. He had faith that said, I'm going to do what God says. We would say, we often do, I would never do that. I mean, I've got children, I love my children, I would never do that. You know what? God doesn't ever carry us that far, and oftentimes we still fail. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. But we hold grudges. I mean, this isn't offering your child in an altar. This is just demonstrating the love of Jesus to somebody who, I don't know, maybe they just don't like you. Or maybe they have been spiteful toward you or have used you in some way. And you're like, I just don't, I don't care for them. I, I, I hate their guts. Ever said a thing like that? Or ever demonstrated it by your actions? God is testing your faith. How will you respond? Will you love your neighbor as yourself? He doesn't call us to pick up a knife and kill our child, but he does command us to do a great many things for which seemingly we have very little faith to act. Yeah, God tested tested Abraham just exactly like he tests us every single day in one form or another, in one circumstance or the other. Are we faithful in that? If I were faithful, I'd be able to experience some of the joy if my faith were proven through my actions. Well, I'm asking then, when these times of trial come, what, what, what's the purpose in it? You know, what's it good for? And we hear a lot of the word proven, to prove, to, to give the example of, to demonstrate. It's kind of like when a teacher is in front of the students and we have a classroom assignment. We go through the process. This is how you work this problem. You start here, then you go to the next step, the next step. You lay it all out for the students. Then you look at the room. You say, are there any questions? No hands go up. Are everybody, understa-? everybody understands. Everybody understands. They go home to do the homework. They come back tomorrow. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. Wait. Yesterday, you said you understood. We, we understand. Okay. You go through it again. We want to make sure we understand this. Pro- oh, yeah. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. You sure? Any qu- No questions. We're about to take the test. Today. We've got it. We understand it. We offer the test. Now all of a sudden panic sets in because what we thought we knew the place we thought we were in I got this I understand it all of a sudden now in the practical application of that knowledge we don't have a clue or you know somebody sails through it they understood it 100% A plus yay we celebrate but they're going to always be those on the lower spectrum who didn't pay attention or didn't grasp the principles. They had an idea of what was going on, but when it came to the actual application of it, they fell apart. I don't get it. Our lives are a lot like that. I say, God, I'm with you. I'm with you. Look at me. You know, I'm attending Bible classes. I'm in the worship service. I'm doing exactly what you... But when the trial of life comes, when the real test is enjoined, when, when our faith is, is put to the actual test, when the proof is to be examined, then all the Bible classes and all of the worship services that we've been to don't amount to anything. Because we actually fail in the testing of our faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, scripture there says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You notice there are two parts to that. Yeah, I believe, but what I also believe, Lord, is that when I will trust you through this, what I really believe is that you will give the result in the end. I believe that. So many say, yeah, Lord, I trust you, but when the trial actually comes, they abandon ship. They give up. Why am I being tested? Well, for one thing, as we've seen in these examples, or if you think about, you think about the example uh, from Luke chapter 10 and verse 30, that is the occasion where the man travels from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way, he falls into a pack of robbers. They strip him. They beat him up. The text says that they leave him half dead. That wasn't something that he planned on. That was not a temptation to sin that came from the outside. That was just a man on a journey and something bad happened to him. Things happen. I didn't expect it. But now that I'm in it, Let me just accept the fact that here's where I am. And what I really need to know is, do I trust God? Am I really trusting God in the midst of this right now? Or am I trying to struggle through it and failing, falling on my face and wondering what in the world? When I am successful in demonstrating my faith, when I I prove my faith, then God knows it. As God knew that Abraham was faithful. As God knew, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2, that Israel was faithful. Israel wandered about in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? So that God would know that their intention of heart was to keep His commandments. 40 years being proven. What's your level of faith? Well, God will know it. And when people see you struggling through the trials of your life and hanging on to your faith despite everything, then they too will know the level of your faith, the commitment that you have made to God. But the one that really means the most, because this isn't going to happen just once in your life. It's going to happen over and over and over again. The trials, plural, of your life. Those are going to continue happening, and as they do, you are encouraging yourself, you are demonstrating to yourself your level of commitment, dedication, faithfulness to God. So when you meet the trials of life, meet them with an unswerving faith and count it all joy. Joy is also in the patience that will ultimately be produced. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, now this is tricky, so I want to break down some parts of this for us. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces, that means it brings about. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces brings about patience, that steadfast endurance. And then he says that that steadfast endurance, it has a perfect work to do. Okay, let's try to put some of that together. So my faith is going to be tested. I'm going to go through some trial in which I'm going to be demonstrating my faith and my trust in God. That positive response, when I am faithful to the Lord, that is going to demonstrate to God my level of faithfulness, and as a result of that, I'm going to become stronger. I'm going to develop this steadfast endurance. Why do I need steadfast endurance? I need to keep fortifying that because this life is a long journey. It is, well, I think of it as like an endurance sport is. In my mind, and there may be something else that you could use, but for me, I think of running the marathon. Marathon is 26.2 miles. Uh, You look at me and you say uh, that I'm not the prototypical runner. (laughs) And I'm not. I'm I'm too heavy for running, I suppose, and whatnot. But I do a lot of it anyway, despite that. And I've run several marathons, 26.2 now. Those who run it well, the people who get the medals and so forth, they can run that distance in around two hours. I can't even wrap my mind around that possibility because I've run them and I'm twice that long, way over four hours out there on the road, four hours running. Mile after mile after mile. Here's the thing about that. Unless you're just, you know, an exceptional athlete, you don't just show up at the start line and say, you know what, I think today, I don't know, I was going to go fishing, but I think today I'm just going to run a marathon. I'm I'm feeling 26.2 miles today. (laughs) What? No, most of us don't wake up and say, I'm going to run a mile today. Most of us wake up and say, I think I'll just hit that snooze button. If you're going to run that far in a race, you're going to train for weeks and weeks and weeks to build your body's endurance. And even after, trust me, even after you have done everything that you could possibly do to build your endurance, there is a physical limitation that exists in you. Your body will only hold so much energy. It will only have at its disposal so much energy. And most scientists have concluded that your body, if it is well-conditioned and has 100% storage of glycogen, you can run probably about 18 to 20 miles before your body says, not one more step, not one more step. But Ken, didn't you say that marathon was 26.2 miles? I did. What about that 6.2? Have you ever heard of the mental game? (laughs) That's where your mind tells your body that has already decided it's going to stop. That's where your mind says, no, we're not stopping yet. We're going to go 6.2 more miles. I cannot tell you the times that I have been in that marathon when I passed 20 and I thought, I've got this. And then all of a sudden... My body said, no, we don't have this. And what I'd really like for you to do, Kenny, is to lie down there on that asphalt for about 30 minutes. I think that would feel pretty good. Oh, there's an area that doesn't have too much gravel on it, and it's not too muddy. That might be a good spot. Let's just go ahead and lie down for a little bit. What? What? I would never even think of lying down on the asphalt and the highway. And yet under those conditions, I'm looking for anything that will bring relief. Your joints are hurting. Your, your muscles are aching. You're cramping up. You've been out here running endlessly. Your mind is telling you to stop. But no, I trained all this time. I am going to Persevere and you get to 26 miles, it says 0.2 miles to the finish, and it is like running in just the thickest mire you can imagine, and you're just pulling every ounce of energy to keep one step in front of the other, and you just practically collapse over the finish line. Now, that is a marathon for most people like me. But you know what? That's life too. I've seen people come up out of this water from baptism. They are absolutely fired up. I am going to share this with everybody. I want the whole world to know that I'm a child of God. So excited. And are that way for a while. And then kind of get into the pace. Of Christianity, realize I don't need to burn myself out immediately. And then just life happens and things, and for we know it, we've lost our enthusiasm. And now we're toward the end of our race. And everything in us is saying, just give up, just, just quit. And many have done that. What we need is what's right here in this text steadfast endurance. That energy that is beyond ourselves that God provides that helps us to finish this race to be victorious. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, James said that every Good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. God provides the means by which I can successfully navigate through the trials that want to pull me back. I can win this with the Lord's help. And as we saw from Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it isn't just my faith in God, but the knowledge that He will reward those who are persevering. Meet the trials of your life as though, as though you were running a spiritual marathon and count it all joy. There's also joy in the prayer that is answered. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all men liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to him, but... Let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So how is it I'm going to endure this trial? I don't know, maybe it is the sickness that you or a loved one has. Maybe it's a death, someone who is close to you. Maybe it is financial struggle. Maybe it's trouble with your children trouble in the family, trouble in a relationship, something on the outside. It isn't a temptation to sin. It's something that has happened that's affecting you and you're having to make a decision about it. What am I going to do? How am I going to deal with it? Most of us just rush into it. James says, first thing we ought to do is be real about it. You know what? Honestly, I, I could rush into it, but I don't even know what to do first. I need wisdom to conquer this trial. Where am I going to get wisdom? You know who the source of all wisdom is. That is God. Instead of waiting until I have complicated this trial until I have made it worse by the decisions that I made going into it blindly and thoughtlessly, how about before I ever take the next breath, that that breath be involved in a prayer to God? God, help me. But not God, help me, and then rush in and do what I want to do. It's God, help me with the determination that I'm going to trust you through this. I am not going to be doubting. I am not asking God, "God help me, and then turning my back on God. I am asking God's help. I'm asking for God's wisdom with the confidence and the belief that He is going to provide it. He is going to provide it. So... I think of what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. If we would simply do this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and him who knocks will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Lord, help! (laughs) God will help. Do you believe it? I believe it. Lord, help me to develop this faith in you that that creates steadfast endurance in me so that I can strive however hard it needs to be to finally make it to the end. To endure this life so that I can be with you forever and ever. But I know, Why is this happening to me? Why? I, I don't know. All I know is this remedy right here. I know that I can have joy in the midst of trial when I have this faith in God, when I have this level of patience, And when at the very outset I go to God in prayer, trusting that he will provide the wisdom that's necessary to navigate the difficulty. You know, when trouble comes, God isn't sitting back there saying, okay, I'm gonna send this to them so I can derail their faith. It is not designed to hurt. Trials are designed to strengthen to make us better equipped for the long run. So he tells us to count it all joy. And we can do that when we have that faith and that patience and we offer that prayer. And we can have confidence that we will develop in the process of this something that those who are outside of Christ just cannot appreciate. That's expressed in Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. He says, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Are you facing one of those trials right now? Did you start it in prayer to God? Did you pray that God would give you the wisdom to navigate this thing? Or have you seen it just come apart? If you're in that place right now or it looks like it is and you're thinking, well, I'm going to get back on track here. I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to beg God and with every bit of confidence, uh, trusting him, he's, he's going to help me. I, I'm going to get on my knees today and that's, that's going to be the resolution. Uh, okay, peace. I hope you will do that. But today, would you let us pray with you too? Would you let us into your hurt Do you let us help support you? We we will pray about it too. And out of all of us trusting that God will help you to get through this trial, here's what I believe. I believe you will be successful. Will it be the last trial? No, it won't. But it will build up your confidence to face the next one. In Romans chapter five, verses three and four, Paul says, we glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Don't you want that today? It's not darkness ahead, it's only light. Let's pray about it together and support one another. Plenty of room up here on the front. Maybe you're not a child of God today, you're headed down a dark road. Today, why don't you let Jesus... Take over. You know, I talked about that person coming out of that water. That could be you today. Having had your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, you'll rise in newness of life. We will rejoice. The angels in heaven will rejoice. And heaven will be yours someday. If there's anybody who needs to respond for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come while we stand together and sing this song?
1: Encamped along the hills, the mighty Christian soldiers rise and pass the battle. Time when we are preparing for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing Highly Exalted. You were despised, you were rejected, Lord, close to thy spot, even
5: the Lord's emblems for the Lord's Supper. If you would please raise your hand and the ushers will assist you. As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper, let us consider a few things. Let's observe the bitter death, the agony described in Luke 22 verse 44. A man full of sorrow In Matthew 26, 38. The lingering death. Imagine the suffering as Christ hung on the cross for three hours. A painful death after being beaten and scourged, yet nailed his hands and feet to the cross. The shameful death. Being mocked. Are you truly the son of God that you can't save yourself, come down off the cross? Your clothes ripped from you. You're hung in the middle, two thieves, one on each side, <clears throat> as though you're the principal criminal. Yet there's more, more things than all these <clears throat> things. It's the joy of the cross. Isaiah 53 and verse five, by his stripes we are healed. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, let the Lord's Supper allow you today to be reminded that Christ will return and that he will deliver his people to live with him forever. Let us bow as we give thanks for the bread. Our most kind and glorious Father, we praise you for your love for us, for loving us enough to give your son to die upon the cross. Father, we pray as we partake of this bread, a symbol of your son's body, that we would do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. In Christ's name I pray, amen. now let us give thanks for the cup once again father we approach thy throne of grace with humble hearts father just so thankful for your boundless love for each and every one of us we pray father that as we take this cup we'll examine ourselves and we just pray father that we would do so in a manner that's pleasing to thee christ's name we pray amen
4: As was purposed in her heart to give today, let's pray, Lord, that, that God will give the increase on it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're ever so thankful of the bountiful blessings we receive daily. Lord, we know that all good and perfect things come from you. Lord, we're ever so thankful of all the things we receive, that we have. Lord, we know if we put your kingdom first, we'll receive all the necessities. Lord, we pray as we give today, Lord, we pray we're doing it cheerfully, Unto you,
2: in Christ's name we pray, amen.
6: What a blessing it's been to, to be here this morning and worship God. Amen. Uh, this morning in our Bible our worship service, we had 340 people. We want all the visitors to know that uh, we hope and pray we've conducted ourselves in a way that you'll come back and worship with us each and every opportunity you may have. A few announcements this morning before our closing prayer, and I will go ahead and tell you after our closing prayer, I ask that you remain seated. Elders have a, a small or short presentation to do as soon as the closing prayer is, uh, is over. The bus will be going to Snowdown tomorrow night for their gospel meeting. The bus will leave at 6.30. Those going on the youth canoe trip this coming Saturday need to meet with Drew in the Little Chapel immediately following worship service. Also, this Tuesday, the Tuesday morning ladies Bible class will resume meeting this Tuesday, August 15th at 9.30 a.m. in the Annex. All ladies are invited. Ladies are invited to a baby shower for Lauren and Austin for Lauren, and Austin Benjamin Brumley next Sunday, August 20th from 1.30 to 3. We will also host a Girls' Day here on Saturday, August 26th. Lunch will be served. If you plan on attending, please sign in the foyer. Uh, please see Carrie Parson for any additional information. Also, tonight is our big Northeast night. Um, we're so excited to have a large crowd here this evening. Uh, I want to take this opportunity though to thank Jody Long, Brandon Elliott, Aaron Foster, and all their crews for helping us this past week to put out over 700 bags to the, to the, uh, the dorm rooms. I'm so thankful we were going out of town. They took care of that for us. Also the work that Tommy Baragon and Bobby have done this week to get ready and Guy for setting up and everybody that's helped them. I'm just so very, very thankful. Uh, if you have not signed up in the foyer there are still some spots available f- to assist us to bring food there will be roughly 350 to 500 people eating tonight so uh, it will not go to waste uh, but thank you so much for everything you've done also a reminder to remain seated, uh, following the closing prayer if you'll bow with me please father we are so very thankful and blessed to have been here this morning to worship and praise you we pray that everything that we've done and said it's for your glory, Lord, and your honor. We pray, Father, that we would never stop running our race in our lives. We pray that we would never give up, and we pray that we would always serve you in each and everything that we do. We pray, Father, for those who are hurting, those who have lost loved ones, those who are dealing with tragedy. For those who are sick, Father, we lift them up and pray that you would comfort them in a way that only you can. We love you so very much, Father, and we pray that you'll go with us as we leave this place and bring us back to the next appointed time. In Christ's name, amen.
3: This time we'd like to present our scholarships for our Christian scholarship fund that we do here at the congregation. If you're uh, receiving one, will you please make your way down to the front at this time? Um, can't thank the congregation enough for what they do to contribute to this fund. As somebody who got to use it, um, it's very beneficial. It's really valuable. It's hard to place a value on a Christian education, and I'm sure all these right now that are using it, they can say the same, so we appreciate everything. Okay, first, we have Lewis Holloway. He'll be a sophomore attending Freed Hardman University. And then we have Sandra Holloway. She'll be a freshman attending Freed Hartman. Next we have Savannah Martin, she'll be a senior attending freed hardman And then last we have Levi Sweeney, he'll be a freshman attending freed hardman as well. Once again we'd like to thank this congregation for allowing us to have this scholarship set up for these students and I know that they'll do well in their journeys there and if there's anything, nothing else you're dismissed at this time.